Welcome to the Reader House Author Roundtable, where authors from all walks of life come together to discuss the trials, tribulations, and triumphs of publishing their books. I'm your host, Corey Graham. Join us here every Friday night at 8 p.m. or listen anytime via podcast at Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, TuneIn, and PodServe, to name just a few. The Author Roundtable is sponsored by Reader House Online Bookstore, where the independent new authors come first. There is no problem too big to handle, and children will learn that in the new book by Lainey Melvin. It's called The Amazing Adventures of Super Bear. Super Bear Helps a Town. I'd like to welcome Lainey to the Reader House Author Roundtable right now. Lainey, thank you for joining me here. Thank you for asking me. Can you tell me all about The Amazing Adventures of Super Bear? Sure. It's a cute children's story that Super Bear goes to a town that has a sickness and it comes to a stop. And basically he helps the town get back up and rolling and they're good to go. Sounds like a pretty timely topic. Did Mm -hmm. the pandemic and everything sort of play into this? It did. Yeah, it did. So have you written before? Is this your first book or what's your writing background like? My writing background is more on a personal level. So I've written three books previous, but never sought publication. This book was different in so far as that I wrote it mostly day by day on a Facebook page that was created during the pandemic. Interesting. And encouraged to seek publication. So I did. Wow, that's fantastic. So what was that process like for you? Of course, you had to line up the illustrations and, you know, jump through all those hoops. What kind of thing was that for you? It was a lot more involved than I thought it would be. Hmm. That's for sure. I'm glad that I did. It was a very educational process for me to know, like, the different steps that it goes through. And like you said, with the illustrations and the editing and stuff like that, I don't think I would have a book right now (laughs) published (laughs) if I was to do it on my own. Hmm. Absolutely. Partnering with a with somebody who's been there before, like a publisher who knows all the obstacles that you might face, all the challenges and all the things that you're going to want to do to make sure you got your best product out there. It's very wise. About how long did this whole process take you? Oh, gosh, I probably about mm, a year, I think, maybe. I think it was probably about this time last year that I actually had interviewed a bunch of publishers and picked the ones that I like and went with it. So after that year of working, all the writing and all the back and forth, all the work you had to put into it, how did it feel whenever you got that first physical book in your hands when you open up the box and you're like, wow, it's actually a real thing now? It's kind of a surreal experience. (laughs) It was exciting because I have a fan base already on Facebook. Mm. So I recorded the opening of the box and, and all of that. Of course, with the pandemic, I would have preferred to have all of everybody there when I was opening it, but it just wasn't feasible. But I'll tell you what the real surreal experience was having it published online and like Mm. Amazon and stuff. It's like, whoa, (laughs) I have something on Amazon. (laughs) Mm. Now, what advice would you have for aspiring authors? You said this is quite an educational experience for you. Do you have any words of wisdom for people who are looking to do this for the first time? I say go for it. If you have a good story and whether that be, you know, a children's story or maybe a tween story or something like that, go for it. You've got nothing to lose and everything to gain. It's a a really good experience, especially with the publisher that I picked with Fulton. Mm. They were amazing and they'll guide you through everything and just go for it. 
Now, looking down the road, have you made any plans maybe to have Super Bear tell another story or maybe to explore some other sort of writing, publishing? I do. I do. So Super Bear, we had our first book signing back at the end of March, and we created a drive-through book signing, which was pretty interesting. Wow. Um, we were working with the pandemic and all of that. And during that process, everybody that bought a book got a little slip of paper that had said Super Bear will be coming back and, and he's actually going to be going to help a zoo next. Oh, wow. Everybody was given the update on that. Wow. Well, Lainey, thank you so much for your creativity and for this great message for children. The book is called The Amazing Adventures of Super Bear. Super Bear Helps a Town. It's written by Lainey Melvin and published by Fulton Books. You can get this everywhere that you get your reading material at Amazon and Barnes & Noble, iTunes, Google Play, and down the street at your local bookshop, too. Lainey, thank you again for coming on the show here with me tonight. had a really nice time finding out about Super Bear, finding out about what you're working on, and just chatting with you. Thank you very much. Right now, here at the Reader House Author Roundtable, I'd like to welcome author Jack Drosty. Jack just wrote a new book. It's out on shelves now. It's called Moments from the Mountainside. Jack, thank you so much for being here with me tonight. Thank you, Corey. I'm glad to have the chance to talk with you. I'm glad that you're here with me tonight. Can you tell me what you've written in Moments from the Mountainside? Well, Moments from the Mountainside is really a collection of extended devotionals. Hmm. I lived up near the mountains and would travel up in them, and I'd be driving through the mountains enjoying the scenery. Each trip I took, um, God kind of spoke to my heart and said, this is kind of like how I am. And Romans tells us that we can evidence God in the nature. The book is, I would try to describe it in a way that you would be in the seat right next to me, enjoying the scenery, enjoying what I'm seeing, and then we'd have a spiritual application. So it's a collection of about 35 of those stories. That sounds wonderful. Was there anything in particular that inspired you to write the book? I uh, started writing fun stories. Uh, you know, this is, goes back 12 years ago. Hmm. My first one was uh, a spot of ice, and it was just a fun thing I wrote. Uh, I was waiting for some mail. It never came, and uh, we'd be making trips. We lived in a small town where you had to go to the local post office to check your mail. Hmm. Wrote a story about an old man and an old woman making a trek through a blizzard to go to the check the post office and see if the mail was there. And, they got there and found out that neither one remembered the key. So we just kind of made the journey back out into the cold. And I said it was just something for fun. And then we started taking trips up into the mountains and seeing God's handiwork there. Uh, had some people read some of them and they told me how much it touched their hearts. We just continued working on it. And finally, last summer, was able to get it submitted. And about three months ago, it ended up being published. And that's where we're at today. Yeah, congratulations on having it published and having it out there on store shelves for people. I think it's a great message, especially right now. You know, you're talking about slowing down, of, of enjoying nature, enjoying the beauty that's around us. If you just slow down and, and just mm -hmm. be there and experience that, why do you think we're missing that so much nowadays? Well, we're such an instantaneous type society. I mm -hmm. mean, I heard a long time ago, you never have family fights around the, the table or living room anymore because someone disagrees on something. They grab their phone and instantly they Google it and, well, here's the answer. So, you know, you, we want answers right away. We were a throwaway society where we just use something and throw it away. And, you know, we've just gotten away from taking time to see what's around us. You know, there's just so much there. That time, that quiet time alone. Maybe that's why I felt God speaking to my heart was, 
I took time to get away from things. Just enjoy the incredible testimony of his handiwork. You know, I always want to stress, I'm not saying we worship nature by any means, mm. but we can worship the creator of nature. Mm. That's what we try to do. Do you have any words of wisdom for aspiring authors that have a message and they want to write it, they want to put it out there, but maybe they've never done it before. They don't know what they're in store for, maybe once the publishing process gets underway. Uh, can you tell them any advice? I would say to go for it, first of all. You know, sometimes we just need that encouragement that it's okay to take that risk. And uh, I always, a long time ago, learned that if you don't try or if you don't ask the question, the answer is always no. So go for it, first of all. Make sure you're writing about something that you believe in because there's going to be hard times. There's going to be difficult times. There are going to be times that thoughts don't come or a publisher doesn't work with you quite the way you want, you know? Mm. So you get, you have to believe in what you're doing. And even if that's a good fiction story, it'd be the same way. You know, fiction stories, they provide something for us. They provide an escape once in a while and get us to slow down. So go for it, but make sure you believe in, in what you're doing and then uh, finish it through. Don't give up. Fantastic advice. The book is called Moments from the Mountainside. It was written by Jack Drosty, and it's published by Christian Faith Publishing. You can get this everywhere you get your books, on Amazon, at Barnes & Noble, on iTunes, and traditional brick-and-mortar stores, too. Well, Jack, thank you again for joining me tonight. Thank you for writing this book, for encouraging us to just appreciate all the beauty that is here. It was great speaking with you tonight. Thank you, Corey. I appreciate, again, the, the opportunity to share about the book. It's been my pleasure and my joy, and I just hope God uses it to uh, touch hearts and lives. Right now, here at the Reader House Author Roundtable, I'd like to welcome author Tamara Daly. Tamara, thank you so much for joining me tonight. Oh, thank you for having me. Really appreciate you being here. You have a new book out right now, and it's called Once Married to Satan, My Life of Hell. I have to admit, when I first read the title, I thought maybe it's an exaggeration, but I became quickly convinced that it's not an exaggeration. So can you tell me about this book? Yes. This is uh, my life story. As I went through hell with my first husband, he was very abusive. Not only was I abused by him, but it seemed that I was cursed. For trying to finally escape the hell that I was in, it just seemed like everything was against me. The court system, just everybody in general. It was hard to believe because back then, uh, we're talking late 80s, early 90s, domestic abuse wasn't really announced that much. Mm. It was just unreal, and nobody understood the power that an abuser has and what they use to control. About how long did it take you to write the book and, and then get it published? Uh, well, <laughs> I had been um, working on it on and off for several years. My current husband now has been encouraging me for years to write it. Mm. So I finally sat down uh, when the pandemic came about and got serious, and I would say roughly three months. Um, it was still very tough to write. Um, I could only write so many hours a day, and then I would have to give it up for a day or two. But Yeah, I was going to say this couldn't have been easy for you to write. You know, sometimes writing can be such a joyful process of discovery, but other times, you know, it's a necessary thing to help you deal with a lot of the stuff that you've gone through and, and also to hopefully help others. Oh, yes, definitely. And I think that was one thing that really drove me to get my story out there is, you know, the more I hear about abused women, it 
just breaks my heart. And I feel that we don't do enough Mm. to get the awareness out there and enough to help these women. Absolutely. So have you written before? Is this your first published work or what does your writing background look like? This is the first. Congratulations. (laughs) Thank you. Wow. Such a big deal because so many people out there say, yeah, I'm going to write a book someday. I'm going to get something published someday. And things happen and they don't always get around to it, but you did it. You have a book out there now. How's it feel when you look in the mirror and say, I'm officially a published author. This is, it's for real now. Oh, it was, when I first held the book, I was in awe. Mm. I was excited. I was proud of myself, but I still had this sense of, I, you know, I can't believe that this happened. Yeah. Do you have advice now for authors who also want to publish their story as well, but it's going to be their first time, so they're not quite sure how to go about it? Well, all I can say, you know, is go for it. Mm. If you feel that you can write it, don't hold back. Just write it. I mean, the worst thing that can happen is they can tell you no. Really, really good advice. So looking ahead, uh, do you plan on maybe another book or continuing writing something else? I've been thinking about it. Don't have anything definite, but I would like, you know, soon to write something more happy, <laughs> mm. <laughs> <laughs> more more positive. Um, and right now I'm kind of focused on getting something done to help women. You just hear more and more each day of things that go on and deaths, and it just tears me apart. And I feel that there's, you know, God's leading me to do something to help these women. Now, oftentimes when you're driven to write, you are also a big reader. Uh, Would you call yourself an avid reader? To an extent. (laughs) (laughs) What kinds of things do you enjoy reading? I like romance books, Mm. self-help books. My (laughs) My biggest one is cookbooks. I'm kind of addicted to those. (laughs) Nothing wrong with that. (laughs) Tamara, thank you for having the courage to tell your story, to be honest with things that are not easy to talk about because you are helping others. Your story is one of hope. And again, you're putting this out there, raising the awareness of an issue that needs more and more and more awareness. The book is called Once Married to Satan, My Life of Hell. It's written by Tamara Daly and published by Fulton Books. You can find this everywhere you get your reading material on Amazon, at Barnes & Noble, iTunes, Google Play, and traditional brick-and-mortar stores, too. Well, Tamara, thank you again for joining me here tonight. Thank you for your courage, telling your story, and again, for reaching out to others. Oh, thank you so much. Her life is a story of deliverance and victory, and author Linda Hines has written all about it in her new book, Standing on Top of My Enemies. I'm really happy that Linda is right here with me now at the Reader House Author Roundtable. Linda, thank you so much for being here with me tonight. Thank you for having me, Corey. Thank you. Your life has truly been significant, and you've written about it here in your book. Can you tell me all about it? Yes. God gave me the option to write this book. It's short, but it's powerful, and it's just a tidbit of the things that God has brought me through, all the trials and the tribulations that he brought me through. And I really wrote this book just to let people know that God is still in the miracle working business. Mm. And what he did for me, he'll do for anyone, Corey. Mm. That's what I want to get across to people. What a great message. Is there anything in particular that inspired you to write this book now and, and publish it for the world? I knew that I had to get this out. Because I'm a minister. I'm also a minister, and I I do a lot of prison ministry and jail ministry also. Oh, wow. And I want to reach as many people as possible because you wouldn't believe how many people have went through the same thing that I went through, 
and didn't make it. Mm-hmm. Didn't believe that God was bigger or stronger enough to bring them out of all of their trials and tribulations. But I believe that God left me here. He allowed, he allowed me to go through what I went through, Corey, to let the people in this world know that he's greater, he's still bigger than anything that we're going through. And he's able and willing to bring us out of everything that we've gone through and everything that we've been through, that he's almighty and all power. That's my message. And what a message. Have you written before, or is this the first time you've been published? No, this is the first time. Oh, congratulations. Man, how's it feel (laughs) to be a published author now? It's still sinking in, you know. (laughs) (laughs) To me, it's just doing what God called me to do. Mm. That's what it feels like to me. Yeah. I I don't know if I can write another book, if I have another book in me, but if he tells me to do it, Corey, I'm going to do it. Because whatever helps the next person, that's all I want for the next person to be helped and to be healed and set free and delivered. Because we're living in a time, Corey, where people depend on everything else and turn to everything else but God, Mm. and they don't make it. Now, was this a hard book to write in that you were looking back and and maybe had some regret and maybe I should have done things a little bit differently back there, looking on the hard times in your life? Were those hard to write about, or overall was this a joyful writing? I wouldn't say it was joyful because mm. it was some terrible things that happened in my life. Mm. And it's a lot of times that I made a lot of bad choices. Mm. I personally made a lot of bad choices. But God yet looked beyond those choices. I don't know why. I don't know why he did it, Corey, but I thank him for it. I thank him for it, that he allowed me to go through it. He allowed me to go through it because God is all seeing, all knowing God. But he allowed me to go through it and allowed me to come out on the other side because I'm not the only one that's going through these problems that have been through these problems, Mm. have made the mistakes in their life. I'm not the only one. And I believe that he allowed me to go through these things, Corey, to let people know that that's what he hung and died and bled on the cross for, for all our sins, all our mistakes. Mm. I'm not the only one. The book is called Standing on Top of My Enemies. It's written by Linda Hines, published by Christian Faith Publishing. You can get this everywhere you buy books, on Amazon, on Barnes & Noble, iTunes, down the street at your local bookstore, too. Linda, thanks again for joining me tonight. Thank you for writing this truly wonderful book. I had a really nice time chatting tonight. Thank you, Corey. Thank you so very much. Author D. Randall Ashcraft offers new insights into tragic events in his new book, 9-11-2001, The Day Patriotism Was Hijacked. I'm really happy that Randall is joining me here right now at the Reader House Author Roundtable. Randall, thank you so much for being here. You're welcome. Thanks for having me. On 9-11-2001, certainly a, a tragic time in our history, and you have some new things to say about it in your new book. Can you tell me all about it? Well, I was like most other Americans for uh, 14 years after 9-1-1 happened. At the time, I was a member of the military, and true to what I expected after having been deployed several times on active duty with the Army, I was deployed again two times after 9-1-1, the first time in 2002 to Egypt as part of the uh, Multinational Force and Observers mission, the second time to Iraq 
in 2004 to Operation Iraqi Freedom. Because of that, you know, I was just doing my job hmm. based on uh, the information I had at the time. The orders we received were lawful orders to deploy um, to protect our uh, rights and liberties as Americans. So I retired from the Army in 2006. Then I worked for the Postal Service in Jefferson City, Missouri. It was during this time that I earned my Bachelor of Science degree in business and then a uh, Bachelor of Arts degree in history. Hmm. So time just went by. And in late 2015, I was on sick leave at home, and I used the time to um, work on the first book I was writing. I tried to write about historical events that still affect our country, mm-hmm. and so that one was entitled On the Trail of a Human Being, A Call for Racial Healing. And I had written several papers in school about New World slavery and so forth. So I was on YouTube. During that time, searching for a lecturer on uh, that topic. And in the lower right-hand corner of the screen, I noticed a film titled Anatomy of a Great Deception. And to this day, I do not know why I clicked on that film to watch it. Prior to that day, if anyone had told me that 911 was anything other than uh, what we were told, that Arabs attacked our nation because they hated our freedoms and so forth, I would have been pretty upset with that person Hmm. based on the knowledge I had at the time. But once I clicked on this film and began watching it, within 10 minutes, I knew something was wrong with what we were told about that day. And by the end, I realized that three buildings, not two, came down that day. The third, WTC-7, was brought down at 5.20 p.m. that evening, and it was not hit by a plane. And watching it, it's textbook controlled demolition. It comes directly straight down into its own footprint. And if one was wired, then all three buildings were wired. So that began my time down this rabbit hole. That was my personal red pill moment as far as the Matrix and Neo are concerned. His new book is called 9-11-2001, The Day Patriotism Was Hijacked. It's published by Fulton Books. You can get this everywhere on Amazon, Barnes & Noble, iTunes, Google Play. And again, this is written by D. Randall Ashcraft. Randall, thank you so much for joining me here tonight. I had a really nice time chatting. Uh, Likewise. Thank you for doing what you do. It's a mystery of unquenchable desire. It's titled Summer Challenge, and it's the new book that's out right now by Dolores Small. Dolores is right here with me now at the Reader House Author Roundtable. Dolores, thank you so much for being here. It's my pleasure. Thank you for having me. Now, can you tell me all about what you've written here in Summer Challenge? Summer Challenge is about two reporters that want to be on a well-known paper, and they only have one column coming up. So the paper has decided to set up a challenge to see which reporter could bring in the most readers over the summer. Hmm. One reporter is a sports reporter or well-seasoned sports reporter. And the other is a young female reporter who has done undercover pieces for several papers in the past. So how did the idea for this plot come about? Well, to tell you the truth, I had been working on another book, a trilogy that will come out soon after this. And I decided that I wanted to put out something that was smaller 
and that was a fast read so people could get to know my work. And so I sat down and my mind just went to work and developed this. I am the type of writer that writes by the seat of her pants. Hmm. I don't know where the story is going to take me or how it's going to end when I start. I never write out an outline. Hmm. Interesting. About how long did it take you to write? From the beginning to the end, because I also was raising children and working and doing other books, it's about a year and a half. And so is this your first uh, publishing experience? Uh, you said you've been writing. Uh, have you published before? I have published in poetry, but not hmm. in novels. I've done a some publishing in the American Poetry Analogues of 1989 and some uh, union papers and some small newspapers. I've also given to friends and framed for uh, many some of my work. Now that you've been through this publishing process, you know, it can be quite trying. You have to be patient and there's a lot of work involved. Do you have any advice now for aspiring authors? Yeah, and not to give up. Hmm. Writing is a gift. That's for sure. You first have to have a gift. Mm -hmm. And then you have to have a desire. But if you have a desire to be a writer, you should go for it no matter how old you are. I'm 72 years old. And I've been dabbling at writing ever since I was 10 years old. Wow. I've always wanted to be an author that had her work out there so other people could enjoy what I write. Mm. That's a form of sharing. If you really truly believe that you have something that's enjoyable and others should read it, don't give up on it. It's like having a baby, you know. Mm. You don't have a baby overnight. You're not going to get your story done overnight. Give it a chance and it will blossom. Yeah, that's the great thing about writing. It's often such a joyful experience for the author as you're creating it. And you're making a joyful experience for your readers. You're sharing your stories, sharing your thoughts, and you're connecting with people. Going down the road, do you plan on writing some more and getting some more things out there? Oh, for sure. I've already got a three-book trilogy ready to be published. Wow. And the first book is already at the publishers. And I have a book of a poetry, coffee table poetry, a collection for the whole family. That will be coming out. Then I have three stories yet on the back burner waiting to be added to. Oh, fantastic. Dolores' book is titled Summer Challenge. It's published by Fulton Books, and you can find it everywhere. You can find it at Amazon, Barnes & Noble, iTunes, Google Play, traditional brick-and-mortar stores as well, written, of course, by Dolores Mall. Dolores, thanks again for stopping by the show here tonight. I had such a nice time chatting. Thank you so much. And this is for people from the age of 13 to 103. And I believe they all totally enjoy it. Miracles still happen. And I'll bet that author Bill Gurnett would agree. His new book, God and 5%, is out on shelves now. Bill is with me right now. Bill, thank you so much for joining me. Oh, thank you for uh, allowing me this privilege. The title intrigues me right off the bat, God and 5%. <laughs> so what's the 5% all about? You know, if you, if you read the book, my wife went into a coma for a couple of days, and then uh, she had a, a staph infection uh, in her blood. Mm. It ate through her mitral valve completely in her heart oh and was eating on the tricuspid valve. And the doctor uh, told me there was more blood going back into her heart than coming out, and her heart had swelled up to fill her entire chest cavity. 
Wow. And so she needed open heart surgery to put a new valve in and then repair the other one. And as uh, they were getting her ready for surgery, the doctor met me at the doors going into the surgical room. And he said, now, Mr. Garnett, I want you to understand that your wife is a very sick woman and don't get your hopes up. He said, actually, I give her less than a 5% chance to survive. And I looked at him and I said, doctor, with God and 5%, I'll take those odds. <laughs> now, my wife is back there vacuuming our bedroom because we just got a, a new mattress. So, you know, she's she's doing great. Absolutely great. Oh, that's great to hear. Talk about miracles. Wow. It was a miracle. Wow. So was there anything in particular that inspired you to write this? You know, I, I wrote this not to make money on it. That's not even in my mind. Hmm. I wrote it to get it out to people who may be going through difficult times and having a hard time trusting God. But uh, I want them to know that nothing is impossible with God, not anything. And don't believe everything the doctors tell you. Hmm. So what's your writing background like? Is this the first time you've written? Yes. Yeah, this is the first time and probably the only time I'll <laughs> write a, a book. <laughs> oh, never say never. You never know. <laughs> well, that's true. <laughs> Oh, about how long did it take you from the beginning when you started writing it clear up until it got published? It took about six months. Hmm. If, if you read the book, it's mainly the texts that our three sons texted me during this time. Hmm. You know, I wanted to gather all those together and then fill in some of the spaces. And so, yeah, it took me about six months. Was this an easy thing for you to write? I mean, certainly a hard time in your life to go back and think about. Of course, there is a happy ending to it, and God's glorified. Uh -huh. So was this hard, or was this more joyful? It was, it was pretty easy to do and, and very joyful. Hmm. You know, when, when we received our, our edition of the books after they were published, man, I just thought, wow, you know, this is, this is really neat. <laughs> you know, uh, I just love how it came out. Hmm. Well, Bill, thank you for writing this story and encouraging the rest of us and glorifying God. Amen. In the process. Amen. Amen. The name of the book is God and 5%. It was written by Bill Gurnett and is published by Christian Faith Publishing. You can find this everywhere. You can get it on Amazon, at Barnes & Noble, on iTunes, and down the street at your local bookstore, too. Well, Bill, thanks again for joining me tonight. Thanks again for writing this truly wonderful story. It was really great. Okay, well, you're welcome. They can also download the book to their e-reader and uh, get it that way, too. Fantastic. Thanks for talking tonight, Bill. All right. Thank you, Corey. Sitting down with me now here at the Reader House Author Roundtable is author MSG. MSG, welcome to the show. Thank you so much for talking with me here tonight. Thank you. You have a new book out now, and it's called Of Soul. Can you tell me about it? It's a little bit about grief and a little bit about mental illness and love, just life in general. Hmm. Is there anything in particular that inspired you to write it? I would say the death of a very close friend when I was 15. Hmm. That was pretty much the starting point. Hmm. About how long were you working on this? A few years, and then it took many years to get it published. Oh, that's often the case. It's a lot of work to get published. Is this your first time publishing? Yes. I have some random poetry published in different books, but this is my first complete work. Congratulations. Huge milestone. Okay. How's it feel now that you can say, hey, I'm a published author? It's a little awesome, but it nothing really changed. Hmm. So. <laughs> 
It's kind of like when you turn 20, they say, hey, now do you feel different now that you're not in your teens anymore, that you're 20? No, not really. I can just say I'm 20 now. <laughs> yeah, it's pretty cool. My friends are all like, just ordered your book, reading your book. and So it's pretty cool having it out there. Oh, that is very cool. Do you have advice now for other people who want to step out and publish their first work? I would say if you really are serious about it, just do it because the longer you wait, it weighs on you. Because if that's what you're passionate about, just do it. Hmm. Was this an easy book for you to write or did you have a lot of starts and stops, almost writer's block, things like that? No, it came pretty much pouring out of me. Hmm. And when it came to editing, you know, a lot of people have trouble editing. Was that a big deal? I used to work as an editor in college, hmm. and I kind of loved doing that stuff, so it wasn't really that difficult. Now, looking ahead, do you plan on writing more, maybe pursuing getting more published? Yeah, I'm working on a novel right now about drug addiction and mental illness, so hopefully that will get published as well. That's fantastic. Now, when you do a novel, you know, it's different than something like this. A novel, do you have the whole plot planned out from beginning to end, or are you more of like, well, I'm just going to start the story and see where it takes me? You know, I pretty much have it planned out, but I keep changing the ending in my head. So it's a process. So you'll be surprised yourself to see how it ends. Yeah, I guess you could <laughs> say that. Now, often if you're drawn to writing, you're also a big reader. Would you call yourself an avid reader? Yes. Mm. What kinds of things do you like to read? I love Rumi's poetry mm. and Hafiz. I like a lot of poetry and um, spiritual books, anything that can expand my mind a little more. You said your friends really liked that you had this book published. They were going out and buying it. While you were writing it, you know, it can be such a lonely process, especially with the kind of themes that you're dealing with here. You're dealing with a lot of deep personal things here. Often it's just you and the keyboard or you and the pencil and paper, however you do it. Did you have anybody who was there to encourage you and motivate you and keep you going while you were doing this? I actually, with my first, like, hard copy of it, I handed it out to friends and would ask them to star the poems that they liked best. Hmm. So I had some support throughout the process. And we're looking forward to seeing that novel and hopefully lots more from you out there. The book's called Of Soul. It was written by MSG and published by Fulton Books. You can buy it everywhere that you get your reading material on Amazon, Barnes & Noble, iTunes, Google Play, and traditional brick-and-mortar stores as well. Well, MSG, thank you again for joining me tonight. Thank you for telling your story and poetry and dealing with so many of the hard things that uh, you've thank gone you. through in your life. I had a wonderful time talking tonight. Same here. There's been increased interest in fasting recently. Of course, it's a principle that's taught in the Bible, but there are also a lot of physical benefits to it. And there's a new book out right now all about it. It's titled, As You Fast. The Physiological and Spiritual Principles of Fasting. Co-author Amy Malfris, MD, is right here with me now at the Reader House Author Roundtable. Amy, thank you so much for joining me. Thank you for having me. It's a pleasure. So fasting, there's a lot of interest in this right now, both spiritually and physically, and so you're sort of tackling both in this book. That's right. There is a lot of interest in fasting. It seems that there's an article every week or two about the benefits of fasting and the different methods of fasting. And of course, the ketogenic diet has mm. been a rage lately. So there's a lot of interest in the physical benefits of fasting. And as a member of the Christian church, there's a lot of teaching on fasting, but that teaching is very varied. Mm. And it's a bit all over the map. So what we decided to do was to be 
true to the text and go back to the Greek and the Hebrew and pull out all of the references to fasting in those documents and go back to the text and see the context in which fasting is mentioned throughout the scripture. And then we also compare that with what goes on in our physical bodies when we fast. It's interesting because in the Bible, it seems like fasting was already part of the Jewish culture. And nowadays we look at it and it's almost sort of counterintuitive. Like, how can you go without eating? Doesn't that hurt you? Well, Corey, I think one of the things that we've highlighted in the book, too, is that there are some cultural attitudes regarding fasting. Mm. We tend to think that, you know, we might get the hangries or our tummies may growl. But really, fasting is practiced throughout the world. A billion Muslims fast from sunup to sundown for a month every year. This is just part of their culture. The Jewish culture also has days where they fast. And in most of these other cultures, they start doing it at about the age of 13. So if you had grown up, Corey, in another culture, you would have been doing this from the age of 13 and you wouldn't really think anything about it. Mm. It would just kind of be part of what you do. So a lot of places in the world, much of the world, has some practice of fasting. And when you look at the physiologic benefits of fasting, there are a number of benefits from giving your body a break from food for a little bit. And we go into pretty meticulous detail about what happens to you physiologically and all those benefits when you fast. After we finished the book, what we found out was when you are true to the physiology and you look at all the benefits in the different parts of the body, and then you're true to the text, and you look at the reasons for fasting, in the end, you really get this beautiful story mm. of how the two mirror each other. You know, it's a story that's there. It's not a story we had to create. It's a story that is already there. And, you know, when you think about your well-being and you think about a healthy mind, body, and soul, the book really addresses these three things and how the mind and the body and the soul really are in complete alignment with each other when it comes to fasting. The benefits that you see physiologically from fasting in the body and the mind really just align perfectly with the spiritual benefits mm. of fasting or the benefits that you get in your soul from fasting. Oh, Amy, thank you. The name of the book is As You Fast, The Physiological and Spiritual Principles of Fasting. It's written by Amy Malfris, MD, and Reverend William E. Malfris. It's published by Christian Faith Publishing, and you can get this everywhere that you get your books on Amazon, at Barnes & Noble, iTunes, and traditional brick-and-mortar stores, too. Amy, thank you again for joining me tonight. Thank you for writing this very important book. It was really nice talking tonight. Thank you so much, Corey. Author Richard W. Wilson tells an exciting tale in his new book, Shadows of Forbidden Temples. I'm really happy to be joined by Richard right now here at the Reader House Author Roundtable. Richard, thank you for being here with me tonight. Well, you're welcome. I'm happy to be here. Could you tell me about what happens in Shadows of Forbidden Temples? Shadows of Forbidden Temples is, is five stories in one. It's the story of a man who lives in rural New Jersey and who doesn't really know his relatives or where he comes from. That is to say, his ancestry. He's out walking one morning, discovers a body along the path that goes along the Delaware River, inherits a fortune from that strange incident, and begins a quest to find out what's going on, why, why this should have happened to him. And in the process, he uncovers 
these various stories from the past that he connects together in in the overall narrative. And that's essentially what it is. It's, uh, it goes from back as far as about 1840 down to the present day. Hmm. Now, did all of these stories, the whole thing, all come together at once, or did you write these at all different times? No, I wrote them, I wrote them serially. Hmm. That is to say, he inherits a lot of money in this story. And some of this, of course, is, is tracks over into real life, but hmm. not very much. Certainly not a lot of money. <laughs> that was not the case. <laughs> nor finding the body by the pathway. But it begins with that, and it begins basically with the opium war in China. Hmm. From there, moves through different characters of their lives, they could, because they're not obviously living at the same time, and brings it down to the present with the un- un- uncovering uh, the mystery of why this body was found along the riverbank. That's essentially what it is. Each story is, is, is self-contained. The difficulty with the novel, I mean, the difficulty I had was how to take stories from my family's background, which all of these are connected to in some tenuous kind of way, how to put them together in a way that makes sense, combined into one story. Hmm. And that is what I've tried to do in the novel. Hmm. Is there anything in particular that inspired you to write this and, and then seek publishing for it? To begin with, I'm not a spring chicken. And by that, I mean, I'm in my late 80s. And I spent my working life at Rutgers University as a professor, hmm. and my field was Chinese politics. Hmm. A lot of this story takes place in the Asian theater, so that my professional background gave me some head start on how to begin writing. From that point on, what happened was a series of events that led me to discover what had gone on in the lives of various people who I was related to, things I had never known growing up. All of this I tried to put together in a story that didn't necessarily connect one generation to the next, but which made an effort to try to show what happens in a family as people start to emigrate, move around, go from one place to another, come to America, come to America especially, and then various things happen, some of them dramatic and some of them not so dramatic. Hmm. Well, Richard, thank you for writing this. The name of the book is Shadows of Forbidden Temples, written by Richard W. Wilson. It's published by Fulton Books, and you can find it everywhere that you get your books at Amazon, on Barnes & Noble, at iTunes, Google Play, and traditional brick-and-mortar stores as well. Richard, thank you again for coming on the show. It was really nice talking with you here tonight. Nice talking with you, and thanks for calling. There's a wonderful new children's book out in stores titled Faith. And right now, I get to talk to the author, Sandra Jackson-Hines. She's here with me now. Sandra, Thank you so much for joining me here tonight. Thank you. Thank you for having me. Can you tell me what you've written about here in your book, Faith? Well, this book is actually a true story. It's about myself. It's something that happened to me as an adult, but I made it into a children's book. And as the story goes on, it's a little girl named Faith. And she basically goes through everyday things, going to school, spending time with her family. And she sees these numbers that are just everywhere. And she realizes that God is trying to tell her something, and she wants to know what it means. Hmm. Did you have a certain age range of children in mind when you wrote this? You know, it is a children's book. It's a picture book. But anyone that reads it, whether they're an adult or a child, they're going to get a message out of it. Hmm. 
What does your writing background look like? Is this the first time you've published? This is the first time I've published, oh, and I'm, I'm just so excited about it because when Christian Faith Publishing, um, when they called me and said that they were accepting my book after reviewing the manuscript, I was just so excited, mm. so overjoyed about it. And you said this is a picture book. What was it like working with an illustrator? It was great because in the book, um, you'll see Faith on the cover with like a bunch of numbers all around her. And the illustrator just did a fantastic job because they put everything into their artwork as I explained it. Mm. And that's why when I first received the book, I was just amazed at how much they just got it right. I mean, it was it's awesome. Mm. Now that you've been through this publishing thing for the first time, do you have advice that you could give to aspiring authors? The advice that I would give is, you know, if you have a story to tell, I would say go for it. Hmm. I mean, anything that God gives you, it's going to be a plus. It's not going to be a negative. It's going to be awesome. Hmm. So when someone writes a book, I would say pray about it go for it. And you got to just hand it over to the Lord and it'll come to pass. Hmm, that's great advice. So now looking down the road, do you plan on maybe writing some more? I do. Mm. I, I have a second book coming out soon, probably in two months. It's called Samaritan Sam Sees Something. Hmm. I'm just hoping that it's, it's a success, just like faith. Well, Sandra, thank you for reaching out to children, teaching them these important truths. Sandra's book is called Faith. It's published by Christian Faith Publishing and, of course, written by Sandra Jackson Hines. You can find this everywhere that you get your books, on Amazon, at Barnes & Noble, on iTunes, and traditional brick-and-mortar stores as well. well. Sandra, thanks again for joining me here tonight. Thank you for writing this great book. I really enjoyed our time. Thank you so much. Thank you for having me. Author Duet Brinson's new book answers the question that he's heard again and again. It's titled, This Is What Happened to Me. I'm really happy to be talking with Duet here right now at the Reader House Author Roundtable. Duet, thank you for joining me tonight. You're welcome. Can you tell me what you've written about in This Is What Happened to Me? This book is about how basically my work life came about over the years. How I started off from a sharecropper farm for my daddy in the state of Mississippi. And how troubled things that I went through over my lifetime, how I was discriminated against and uh, denied uh, quite a few jobs that I was capable of doing. And then how I went ahead on and I'd done this most important job. That's one of the main things I want to emphasize on. Burning at the shipyard, burning up missile compartment from nuclear submarines. Hmm. So the United States made this agreement with Russia to cut up two submarines that was very dangerous, and neither one of them wanted to use them in case of a nuclear war. They didn't have no one to cut the submarine up, they realized, because they didn't have the kind of training to burn dirty steel, what they considered of, all kind of steel with PCBs all over and stuff. So my supervisor asked me, could I do the job, because he had saw me do some burning before, which I wasn't supposed to do. 
You've written your very impactful story. You're telling this to the world. And the title of the book is This Is What Happened to Me. So why do people ask you this question over and over again? Oh, the reason why they ask me that question, this is what happened to me, is because most of it's me doctors and stuff. When I pull off my shirt, up the shirt, I got all these keloids, big lumps, some dark and some light brown and stuff. And they asked me what happened to me. It looked like I've been ate up by some kind of animal or something. Wow. But then I tell them, uh, I tell them a story about how I had burned the submarines and for over a month straight, 30 days, and uh, I start breaking out with these uh, blisters while I was burning and, and uh, starting to get the acne bumps, which were turned into keloids and start growing, and they study come over the years. In fact, they still come now some points. They don't want to believe me when I tell them that. Wow. They they look at me like, you know, I'm talking crazy and stuff because wow. they don't know anything about PCBs, what it calls like burning PCBs. Mm. What happened is I talked to a lot of doctors on it and they didn't know. And mm. then some say, yes, it could ha- it could cost that. Both Agent Orange and PCBs cost OT law. I was heavily contaminated with both of the things, Agent Orange and PCBs. Wow. I was probably contaminated more than any single person in, in Vietnam with Agent Orange. Wow. There's no person that in the whole world had never burnt that PCBs in hell like I did. Well, Duet, thank you for having the courage to write your story. The message is so important. The book is called This Is What Happened to Me, written by Duet Brinson, and it's published by Christian Faith Publishing. You can find this everywhere that you get your reading material on Amazon, at Barnes & Noble, on iTunes, and traditional brick-and-mortar stores, too. Duet, thank you again for joining me tonight. Thank you again for writing your story. It's been a really nice time chatting. Okay, now thank you. We hope you enjoyed this edition of the Reader House Author Roundtable, where authors from all walks of life come together to discuss the trials, tribulations, and triumphs of publishing their books. We hope to see you back here every Friday night at 8 p.m. or listen anytime via podcast at Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, TuneIn, and PodServe, to name just a few. The Author Roundtable is sponsored by Reader House Online Bookstore, where independent new authors come first.